You're listening to The Real Witches of the End Times, transmissions straight from the underworld. Doom witches, blood wizards, underworld accountants, and cloud people. Welcome back to the Real Witches of the End Times podcast. I'm your host, Mana Aelin, aka Mothmana. This week I've got my friend Jessica Lynn back. Not to be confused with my old roommate, Jessica. Very different people, but everyone seems to get them confused. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least I've noticed that um, when people ask me questions or DM my roommate sometimes. But this is a nice chill episodes today jessica is always super fun to chat to i am actually eating ice cream i will edit that out so none of you will hear that because that would be atrocious but i am eating ice cream at the moment so hey jessica (laughs) hey how are you doing i'm actually having like a a really really potent herbal tea right now so it's like the opposite of ice cream but I should have some ice cream. I've got the ability to eat ice cream with you in my freezer. (laughs) What type of tea? Um, it's, I can't ever remember what the berries are called. It's like S-C-H schnizzle berries. Shisharanda? Thank you. Uh, Yeah, my partner picked up a bag of them because he's, he's into that stuff and, uh, into that stuff, whatever that means. He knows of the benefits of it and assumed <laughs> it would be good for me. And then um, I was really going through it a bit ago and Jessa recommended uh, another tea that uh, I think it's called Cistress or something. Like it's a, it's a pink flower. I don't know. She recommended that one. So I've been combining them and honestly, it's been making a huge difference. Amazing. I got like chronically burnt out for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. Typical Aries, just really over. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand how I keep staying in that cycle. I do understand. But I think, again, I when we were talking about what we could talk about on this episode, certainty. Certainty is something my brain seems to want desperately right now. And I, there's, I can't offer it that. Mm-hmm. It's having a hard time. And uh, for every mm-hmm. listener out there, we made the plan to record this podcast and then like didn't know whose podcast it was for until right beforehand. We just didn't ever discuss that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you will have to come on mine really soon, though. I think I like I want to talk uh, about the herbalism stuff that you've been doing. Yeah, that'd be fun. at some point here. I'm sure you've kind of covered that. Have you covered that on on yours? Honestly, like I haven't gone really into depth with anything. I think because most of my focus has been more on like the magical associations and energetic esoteric herbalism has been what I've been more drawn to as of late. Yeah. But there's definitely some things with medicinal herbalism I love too. Yeah. My brain is in like a an interesting like uh materialist perspective right now because the podcast I recorded earlier was with my my friend that works designing artificial intelligence for Google so mm-hmm. like kind of switching into that that language mode was it's it's stuck with me so I'm gonna let that slowly loosen up while we talk and move back towards <laughs> the uh more ethereal realm and and he's super open to the subjective stuff and that's what I had him on to talk about but the language you know the the specific words that you use kind of I think influence the perspective you have on reality and I'm a little grounded right now wow (laughs) more grounded than I like to be I was gonna say that's that's wow I didn't know I mean you're down to earth person in the sense of the phrase but you're more like a space lady in my head yeah and that's where I I enjoy being and I mean uh if you look at like my my birth chart I've got that Pisces rising so that's like where I like to go that's my my habitat but uh my entire life has been in the sciences up until probably like 2022 so I was generally a very very tethered to science individual so I can slip back into that I think that's where like when I start questioning myself on 
experiences that I have, like communicating with Oscar, doing a lot of the work that I do, I can work myself into like a real judgment if I can get into that critical uh, thinking mind, that like super rational Mm -hmm. mind. I can really start beating the shit out of myself internally about my experiences and beliefs even though like I when I lay back into it casually I'm like yep 100% all of those experiences are valid and have helped me in so many ways and they're they're based in something that's that's real but my rational mind because it can't be something that's like quantifiable (laughs) can be a pretty severe inner critic around it I run into a similar thing I do a lot of magic stuff, but I'm still surprised when a spell works. I can't explain why, but I'm always like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I think, uh, I don't know if I told you about, um, there was a day that I was walking at the dog park and it was one of those days where my critical mind was hyperactive and I was just kind of walking thinking like, man, if I like fractured my psyche, is that what Oscar is? And not saying that that's not what Oscar is like I there's again it's not quantifiable but I was walking and just like have I lost it have I actually slipped off the proverbial edge and I kind of internally like yelled like just give me any sign that it's something outside of me and I took my headphones off in that moment and a dog came running down the path and the lady was yelling Oscar get back here and I was like all right cool (laughs) like that's a good good way to catch me there universe wow just immediately (laughs) yell get get someone around me to yell oscar cool yeah just little things like that uh what was i doing i was walking down the street the other day and i was kind of questioning like what's what is this mentality that makes me want to stay separate what is this mentality like just stuff i've been going through around i'm in a, a really great partnership but i'm noticing my walls of like actually letting someone really close and I was like what is this mentality what like archetype am I holding on to that's like keeping me this way and as I was walking and just thinking and looking at the ground I walked by this piece of paper that must have been from like a school kid's notebook and it just said lone wolf and I was like okay I get it (laughs) all right (laughs) like just these like cute little messages it's funny that you mention um like feeling like you're losing it in a way with everything that you're experiencing because I've been going through a very similar thing in my life the past week which I can't even like begin to explain but it's basically I've just become so aware of myself as an energetic being in my life and what has happened with the way things have shifted so quickly and the people that I've met I feel the most myself, but I also feel the most out of control at the same time. It's like when you're riding a bike so fast, but you're doing it and you're in perfect balance. And then it's like, if you start to overthink it, that's when you risk like falling off. Mm -hmm. The flow state, right? Like you're, you're in like the flow and that's when magic seems to work really well. Yeah. But it's when magic works really well, that makes you go, wait, what the fuck is reality? Am I crazy? Is any of this real? Because you're rational. That rational mind is so beneficial, like an evolutionary aspect, but it's, it's tricky because I think the rational mind is also one of conformity. Mm-hmm. I was wondering the other day, and this is just a thought, so I haven't made a definitive argument in my head for or against this yet, but I've been considering the idea of imagination as a, you know, as a, like a separate thing from like experiencing psychic phenomena as like a colonial idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you expand on that? Yeah. In, in like what ways is it, what ways would it be put into that box? This is like one thing that we have to, we're taught all the time, um, even within magical communities or spiritual places. And there is like reason for it. And I'm not saying that it's bad. Again, this is just an idea. I'm for everyone listening, I haven't decided what I actually think, but there's this separation. It's like, well, what's real and what isn't real? Um, well, I had this experience in the vision state or while well, during a visionary journey, or I had a psychic impression, or I saw something, or I heard something that's not quite tangible in the way that we often think things are. And then we often ask ourselves, well, was that my imagination 
or was it something meaningful or whatever? And the argument, I guess, for there being a separation between imagination and something else would be that, well, you can just decide to think things in your head. But my question is, well, wouldn't that like, and, and this isn't coming back down to the, to the argument of like thoughts create reality. I'm literally talking about like, if we're moving around stuff in our head or we're walking somewhere else or imagining ourselves in a different place, even if we're not sitting down and trying to astral project or experiencing something that we haven't intentionally thought of, I just don't understand how there could be like a, even a distinct difference. Like if we don't even know what that would be, it seems weird that we would just decide that there's a layer of something that we could experience seemingly in our minds that would be illegitimate. And then one that is legitimate. I just don't understand. I don't know if I explained that very well, but that's kind of the beginnings of what I think. Yeah. It, like it, would it make sense to like, simplify the image of what you're explaining as like there being two different streams one being like a, a stream of like your own personal imagination and like just randomness and the other stream being some like concrete information coming in yeah that's what I'm thinking like is that the notion that you're kind of talking about yeah yeah I've I've worked with that a lot and I've considered that a lot because I'll I'll like when I'm when I'm working someone through a guided session say someone is having a belief that they're not good enough it's really tied to maybe their the emotional programming from their mother and all of a sudden like when we're in that visionary experience and we're moving into the body and we're calling in that image they've got an image of a scorpion and it's saying things that their mother has said to them it, that doesn't necessarily mean like like it's a symbol representing an essence to me so that for another person a very similar thing maybe it would have shown up as an image of their mother or as a triangle I think it's like a hmm it's it's such a subjective thing that trying to grab onto any of this stuff as like a concrete essence is I don't want to say wrong but unnecessary yeah and when i use the word colonialism it was more of like i wasn't uh just to <laughs> clarify even as i'm working this more out of my head for in case it sounded like this earlier i didn't mean like the idea that there's like more objective information maybe and then more i didn't mean that there's not a potentially a difference but i feel like there's a a value judgment that gets placed on it that it seems really weird and I don't understand the point. Mm -hmm. Like even if me sitting here and purposely thinking of myself existing somewhere else or seeing myself as like what seems like a fictional character as opposed to like sitting in meditation having something be shown to me, I think those are different tactics, but I don't understand like why one is like seen as inconsequential and the other one's more valuable um because the fact that either of those things are happening mm -hmm. we because we live in containers so i mean even in the in a modern context so the idea that we live in a a capitalistic container or like a patriarchal container like even if we we don't let's say you and i don't directly benefit from patriarchy um, we still live in a patriarchal container and so we're still do things in our lives and are taught things that reflect that structure of society, we can't literally get out of it. And so I don't understand how we can have different types of, I don't have the right words, I guess, like psychic phenomena, but then be mm -hmm. like, well, that's actually not that because it's this, but don't we live in a container where we experience that? Like it's, it's, I don't know why I'm getting mad as I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 it's interesting. I feel like I'm like, I'm like, I definitely think I misinterpreted what you said the first time and because I forgot about the colonialism aspect of it. But can you, um, is it, is it kind of the idea that like the imagination is considered like not necessarily like value in colonialism and like, like it's kind of beat out of us through our, our school system? Is that kind of what you're leaning towards or? Yeah, or when it's like, well, my imagination, I experienced this, but that's not real. But then I sat down at my altar and then I went and journeyed to this place. And now I'm going to consider that information. I'm like, I don't understand 
why there is such a huge difference in importance for either of those things. It's very strange. Sure, uses and reasons and calling it different things. Um, I'm not saying that's bad. I just feel like we really dismiss. Like, okay, if I'm sitting here and I create something, like, isn't imagination in a way connected to channeling too? And isn't that valuable in a way? And I'm, I don't know. Mm. I, I just feel like there's a whole map to our own consciousness and experiences that gets reflected in what we think is our intentional imagination or um, thinking of things visually that gets dismissed as being like not actually representative of our innerward journeys or if we're interacting with an interdimensional being. Like, for example, uh, we didn't really explain this at the beginning because you've been on the podcast a couple of times, but I'll probably if you're comfortable after this, just explain briefly who Oscar is, but, and I have a, a being I interact with too. And the, the, the argument a lot of times is like, well, aren't you just imagining that you have a being around you? And it's like, well, yeah, but there's also like other aspects mm -hmm. to it. Like, why does that, why was it, why is it the phrase? Like, aren't you just imagining like if you're seeing it or you can, I don't know. Um, it makes me, and an, it's very dismissive when people bring it up like that. Yeah, and it, it one of my favorite things about the, the episode I just recorded with my friend from Google was talking to someone who's so grounded in the sciences, and even he was saying like, what, what like the the consensus I think like scientifically is like this is in in a certain way all a dream, like the way the brain works, you're literally hallucinating everything you're perceiving as concrete reality anyway because we're not actually seeing reality the way it is. So everything is the imagination. <laughs> oh, wow. I love that. And then there's just, I think, conscious, there's conscious and subconscious, which, which conscious feels like the aspect of the self that's like interacting with others that everyone that we're like all interacting with, like the, I don't know how to describe, uh, as a whole what I'm meaning when I say conscious reality other than uh where you can have shared experiences that you're very certain are being shared experiences and then the subconscious is more that personal internal world of your individual consciousness uh, when I when I was talking with him I asked him about like the idea of collective conscious and uh uh telepathy and um it was interesting watching as someone who studies artificial intelligence and stuff like that, him kind of like his, his description of what telepathy was as being like neurons being able to kind of influence each other over certain spaces. And I was like, Ooh, this is, I want to know more. Like I, I really wish there was some science behind it just for my rational mind, mm -hmm. but yeah, the imagination, <laughs> I think like that's where we are. I think that's what the, I know I've leaned on a lot, the idea that like all this is, is creativity experiencing itself, which is like as a nation, it's the image nation, like it's the imagination. And I, I don't think that's obviously not my personal idea that I came up with, but when I heard it, I just, it rang so true. I haven't thought of it like that before, like as an imagine, like an imagination. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then there's the hallucination, <laughs> which is more. I know that the, the 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 a tribe called Red has that song. We are the hallucination, and it's just talking about like um, how the perspective of indigenous cultures is different, with the perspective on reality of it being a hallucination. I wonder how many other <laughs> uh, words that end in nation we could find to just start playing with what this place is. <laughs> But I, I think we've talked about it before between you and I. I have a strong belief that, like, our reality is made of symbol. That symbol is, like, the concrete building block of whatever this is. But that's not, like, I don't think a, a overly agreed upon viewpoint. It's just the one I've experienced. So, I mean, that's what synchronicity is. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that a little bit more? Is that just like identifying a symbol within what is like the, the scientific, not fun uh, notions behind the idea of synchronicity? Like when uh, 
atheists kind of strip it. What's interesting about that is, is you actually can take it to somewhat of like a, an AI level. Um, I'm not going to be able to explain it as mm-hmm. well, but in there's a there's a podcast series called Penny Royal by Nathan Isaac that talks a lot about synchronicity from a more, um, I guess, like AI technological perspective because he works with data. Uh, and so that's kind of the framework that he sees the world from. But there's this idea of second order cybernetics where you create a system and once the system starts interacting with self, it kind of like ping pongs back and forth the same information. And so depending on what you engage with, that's like the echo chamber you literally end up in. Well, you could argue that it was always there and you're just now noticing it because you're looking for it. Mm -hmm. And you could say, well, this was not significant. But I would argue that the fact that you are engaging with your reality in a way that's recognizing specific things over others is significant because that's what people talk about when you work on even shifting Mm -hmm. your mindset in terms of um, trying to make positive changes in your life and trying to, you know, having a gratitude journal. So you make a practice of recognizing things that you're grateful for. And then suddenly you're recognizing things that you're grateful for in your life as a regular practice. So I don't understand how that would be Mm -hmm. insignificant. I personally don't think symbols are inherently meaningful. I think they kind of get charged and become significant to you in specific ways, but I don't think that's any less important. In a lot of existential philosophy too, there's this idea, you know, there's no, like life is absurd and you die and all those things. And it seems very negative and bad for you to think that way. But in reality, it's really freeing if you really look into it and actually read a lot of existential philosophy and a lot of philosophers who are existential are actually very spiritual and very religious people. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that reminds me, I was at the, was at the dog park with my, my partner the other day and we were listening to shared earbuds, listening to, I think it was, I want to call it house music. And he was saying that his favorite thing about house music is that they can present like ideas or situations that, like the the lyrical aspect of it is really heartbreaking like the song we were listening to is like the words were like please just walk away from me like as it like something was ending but the music was so uplifting that it felt freeing but if you were to just read the words it would have seemed really sad and it's interesting like that idea of like it's absurd and then you die and people could get really down and that could feel heavy and depressive or it's all about that perspective yeah. I came from a very, um, I mean, I think this is part of the reason why we get along really well is we both come from very, what popping into my head is like airy, but I mean that in the sense of air representing like knowledge and information backgrounds. Like I was extremely atheistic when I was mm-hmm. younger and then enough stuff just happened to me that it, that just didn't work for me anymore. But I still think see things in a very logical way as um, out of this world I think I sound a lot of the time it's like I I still put things through um, a structure of trying to make sense of it and learn as much information but at the same time it's the whole this and that idea too which is becoming more popular which is cool but things can be multiple things Mm -hmm. like like I I have some people that'll challenge me sometimes and be like well what like how do you know that this means that it's like I don't but it feels like it does and it's meaningful to me in that way and my life has changed for the better because of it so I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Did you know that the word dogma actually means appears to be true? Whoa. So it, it's interesting, like the idea of like building a dog, building a dogma is not a bad thing. Having dogma is not a bad thing as long as you understand the true meaning of the symbol of the word. Something that appears to be true doesn't at all mean that it is true. So I, I know what you mean. Like when I'm... <laughs> When I'm trying to have an inclusive view of my reality, if I'm getting too out there or if I'm getting too rigid and narrow-minded, I'll sit and kind of recount experiences that I've had, such as ayahuasca or sober mystical experiences that have occurred. And then I'll kind of also pair them down with moments where uh, reality seemed like pure chaos. <laughs> and I'll, I'll try to have a holistic view of like, okay, I have to be able to hold all of these conflicting truths. And that, that's a nice place to be. I When I was describing it earlier to someone, I was saying that it feels like I'm sitting in the middle of a teeter-totter that on one side has subjectivity, on the other side is objectivity. And mm. I'm just kind of trying to balance between those two truths. I think that ties into the 
topic you wanted to get into a little bit about uncertainty, but I also would like you to, if you're comfortable, just explain briefly who Oscar is, because we did mention that earlier, and then I feel like some people might be confused. Oh, yeah. So this is a perfect um, (laughs) way to get into being in the teeter-totter between subjectivity and objectivity. So Oscar is a being that I met in... I've I've gotten this date wrong so many times. It was 2016. I said 2014 on multiple different podcasts. (laughs) My bad. Time. (laughs) What is it? But I met him during a DMT experience in 2016. And... Uh, it was an incredible moment. I went into the DMT experience really with the question of, and and anytime I've done psychedelics with this purpose of like inquiring knowledge, I really like (laughs) actively set the intention. I wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to know more about the nature of reality. And in that DMT space, I ended up getting spit out into this. If you don't know what DMT is like, it's an, it appears to be an out-of-body experience. It could be it just an extremely in-body experience. Who knows what that actually is? But uh, you get kind of spit out into this different realm. And I popped out into this space, and there were just all these beings. And I could tell they were conscious, and they were all standing beside uh, machines that I could tell were not conscious. And I was in this space, and I just remember expressing, what the fuck? And one of them turned to me and I ended up right beside it immediately. And I just said it again. I was like, what the fuck? And uh, that being responded, uh, what do you mean? This is how it is. This is how it's always been. Look. And then just started feeding light from itself into the machine and art was flowing out of the machine. And we had a conversation that I don't, you know, we don't fully remember the depths of what we talked about, but uh I kind of left that experience shook and opened up and I I would recall meeting that being fairly often but a few years later like it just wasn't within my it wasn't something I was drawing on very often because a lot of the time you just kind of forget these experiences and go back mm-hmm. to your default mode and I was working with my teacher Abby and she was walking me into meeting my guides. And at this point, I was someone who didn't believe in guides. Uh, I loved uh, channelers like Paul Selig, but I I never really considered what they were doing as interacting with a disembodied being of any kind. Like I didn't really buy it. And uh, Abby walked me into this uh, visionary journey experience and it was very visceral. And I ended up uh, seeing that being in, in this realm (laughs) that I was in within this meditation. And, uh, it told me its name was Oscar. It felt like a reunion. Um, the, the entire experience was really beautiful. Uh, I walked away from that kind of, again, being really lighthearted about it, like, oh, whatever, not a big deal. In that same visual experience, I met a big white elk, And I had already kind of known that elk were important to me on some symbolic level. But a few weeks later, I was running at the dog park. And I just remember the question of uh, what does Oscar mean came up. And I have a tattoo on my chest. That's the rune for elk. Uh, I found out um, within that time period that all of my ancestry is Nordic. And I didn't know that before getting runes tattooed on my body, but it did make me feel like less of a poser. (laughs) I found out that I was Nordic. But uh, (laughs) I know, right? I I was like, I was lucky. Um, (laughs) But uh, I had the rune for for elk tattooed on my chest and I knew that it meant uh, protection. So I was running and I had this overwhelming urge to look up the name Oscar. And when I did, the name is Nordic and it means lover of elk and deer and uh, God spear protection. And it just in that moment, it just felt like this interesting cornering. And all of a sudden I started from that point kind of feeling that being around more often. And in terms of like super mystical experiences that I've had with with him um anytime I do psychedelics he shows up in like a way that I can 
see. Uh, I remember one time I was having a really difficult emotional experience in my life and I just, I asked for help for the first time, like to the universe. I had never experienced what like prayer felt like or anything along those lines. And I just immediately felt two hands on my back, was very aware that it was that presence. And it was just, it was visceral. And who knows Again, these aren't quantifiable or qualifiable experiences, so but they're my experiences, and I've learned that I don't need those to be verified or validated by external consciousness, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, now I I rock out with Oscar a lot. It's been a few years of being in contact, and to the point that um, other people have had experiences with whoever or whatever this being is, it's referred to itself as an electron. It's referred to itself as an anima, uh, as a polarian. So again, it's, I don't know how to explain them other than that. Uh, but other people have had experiences. Like I've had friends that, um, have called me saying that he's in their dreams and it's, it's kind of cool to hear about their different, uh, experiences with him. And I do, guided somatic work and mind body connection work. And he's a really active aspect of those experiences. Does that answer who Oscar is at all? (laughs) Yeah. And I honestly, I think uh, a big chunk of my audience has already heard you speak on different podcasts multiple times uh, anyway. So I think Mm -hmm. just a good refresher. And I want to say too, I feel like, Exactly, because you know, I have I have a being too, and very different than yours, and that's actually why we connected. Because mm-hmm. I reached out to you and was like, uh, "Also, have an invisible friend who seems very real to me." Yeah, <laughs> and that experience of other people experiencing their presence is very trippy and so strangely mm-hmm. cathartic at the same time. Like even the other day, I felt my being come in the room, and then right after that, my roommate was like, "Who's here? What walked in?" What was that? Mm-hmm. Uh, which mm-hmm. was so validating. <laughs> but this idea that you don't need to have external validation for those internal important experiences, I think is a really important thing. And I'm really glad that you have brought that up because it's really hard to accept for yourself. Um, I still struggle with that, even though I know it's true at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think something important to, to kind of say like as a a side to that is um, my compass that I use is if I seem to be communicating with something internal slash external disembodied, if I sense into it being outside of integrity or uh, not (laughs) with my best interest or others' best interests, I don't pay attention to it and I don't give it any validity. And I think that's another powerful um, way to interact with your reality. And I know that some people run into trouble when they kind of feel like they're, they have something dark around them, something that's mm-hmm. starting to cause some paranoia or some fear. It's important to remember, like you get the last say in what you're, you're making into your truth. Yeah. I've had to keep that in mind lately in my life. So thank you for saying it again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You're welcome. It, it's funny. Like anytime I've even like grown to doubt what Oscar is at all. I'm always brought back to um, my tether to to it or him. I remember I was doing a, a really, really beautiful journey work with a client who just had the most like, magical soul I've ever encountered. And uh, she wanted to do some some guide work. She wanted to get in there and meet some some of her own aspects. And we, we moved into the meditation and um, I'm just trying to measure what I can share. Oh yeah, it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> w- within this visionary state that she was in, I was getting a lot of internal feedback on the world that, that she was kind of moving through. And I wanted to check and just see if what I was getting was actually where she was at. So I just asked her kind of to describe what she was seeing and it was bang on what I was seeing. I was like, okay, that's really cool. And I, just just for for fun and to bring it to life a bit more i i was seeing like these oscars uh, oscars otters <laughs> running around her feet and uh and playing just a, just a bunch of 
<laughs> yeah, just a bunch of Oscars running around her feet. Yeah. No, um, I was very aware that Oscar was in that space with her, and she was um also aware that Oscar was in that space with her. And the coolest part was she was kind of walking and I was trying to get her to like call in a highest guide or call in something some aspect that wanted to speak with her that had messages and she wasn't really finding anything and I tuned in with Oscar and he was pointing up at the sky at a hawk and all of a sudden <laughs> the the person in the session goes oh there's a hawk oh it's coming down and I was like whoa like right on <laughs> right on point so just these like really interesting experiences that that we've had and another one that happened recently because he seems to go into the space with the other person there is a woman working through really big emotional release and I started to kind of see his silhouette to the right of her and I was like oh it's interesting like either a trick of the light or is that him and uh she was crying and just kind of like through her her tears was like he's to the right of me I can feel him he's to the right of me and I was like oh that's so cool like, they're like we're... <laughs> so a lot of the time I'm equally as blown away as they are at like how visceral he is because you just you know you're never I don't know. Never ready for those really wonderful mystical experiences. I think that's why they have such a profound impact on people. Yeah. I have I have not yet gotten used to anything. I am continually, like you said, blown away. <laughs> <laughs> mhm. Mm Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's my favorite part about being alive when I allow myself to have joy around being alive. It's that the entire thing is absolutely absurd. <laughs> Like uh, when I work <laughs> yeah. people into like, yeah, it's, 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 the, it's so insane. Like, I'm sorry if you're bored, what are, just look at your hands. They're, <laughs> the, fact, the fact that those things are there is weird. Um, but whenever I'm working people into the, the gratitude connection with the earth, whenever I like, if I kind of sense that they're not really feeling it, I'll start kind of playing into like, the fact that you get to participate in the miracle of existence like let's just like go really big here like the fact that you are anything at all is something to be wildly grateful for it's so weird what are we doing here mm -hmm. yeah what the fuck are we up to that's part of that uncertainty too yeah where are you at with like your big views on reality i mean that's not an easy question. I've been asking a lot of people that question lately and no one likes it. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Like, like, Hey, or drinking tea, eating ice cream, catching up. Where are you at with your views on reality right now? What's going yeah. on with that? Yeah. What do you think? Cause well, I've gone through so many wild phases. Like I, I really sunk into, and I think I needed to integrate the, the idea of being a witch. And then I've integrated like the idea of like, aspects of the self that like aren't from earth you know that the and I still don't even know what that means to me I, I don't know what the idea of alien really means to me Me either yeah it's a weird one I mean just to illustrate some aspect of that I mean one thing that has really come up the past couple of days in my life is just again the macrocosm microcosm thing so I'll notice that there'll be people that come into my life that I've noticed represent some type of macrocosm for me. And then my entire outer reality will then have like a ripple effect from that person that to me then seems like a, a macro cosm. So that's something that I've been thinking about a lot. And that's part of how I pay attention to patterns. Like there's small little things that I'll do in my life that now have, I have associations with like burning my fingertips means someone's moving a job in a reading that day. Um, so it's like a small little thing that then affects like a larger um, idea or experience for somebody. And then at the same time, also like to touch on the whole, the alien thing, like I'm someone who if people know me. I feel I'm really intrigued by like the idea of fairy and what that means. Um, but at the same time, as much as I resonate with that, I don't really feel connected to this planet and I don't mean that in like I feel like an alien it means like I don't have like an earth like I'm not like I don't enjoy the woods as much as I enjoy vast open spaces like I even joke sometimes that hell is in the sky uh, I don't know mm -hmm. what it is I like being up high I like being in the air I like being not touching the ground 
but then to also have this connection to fairy that is really associated with earth beings is interesting. And it makes me think of more of the dimensional aspect. I don't know, again, what any of this means, but it's something that I've noticed. Yeah, I, I too love the fey realm <laughs> i too i the, it when and this is like a, an, a weird little side note but just like my personal preference whenever i'm getting into like oracle work or whenever i'm like really wanting a concrete clear answer i i typically only really like trust fey fey info <laughs> fey news i feel like they're gonna (laughs) the one deck that i have i'll ask people i'll be like do you want like soft truth or like do you want to be called out because the the fey decks seem to be aggressive but i I get what you mean (laughs) they are oh my god (laughs) fucking fairy speak fey speak yeah yeah they're just like you're the problem and then they walk away um with 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 regards to being like airy and do you mean like ah see it's interesting because like i consider like the desert to be a vast open space but it's still earthy yeah i don't feel connected to like that either it's more of like for me it's being up high in a large space so i really like the cliffs of moa in ireland because i'm really up high and i can see around everywhere um i don't like being closed Mm -hmm. in or in like forests specifically, or like deep into things, because I feel like I can't see. I don't feel safe. And yeah. I feel like there's stuff hiding all around me. Whereas if I'm up high or flying, or I have like a vaster presence, like I can, I, I just feel better. And I also feel that way about information. Like I do not like, like as interesting as rabbit holes are, I much prefer to have a Rolodex information in my head that I can draw from, as opposed to follow down. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm in absolute agreement. I'm I'm hearing what you're saying now, and like my like visualizing. It, I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah. I I do not like walking in the woods as much as I want to like walking in the woods. I want to like hiking, but I'm terrified of it. In <laughs> uh, my mental space, doesn't do well with rabbit holes either. I get really um. Uh, who, what is that called? Like. I can't, how come I can't come up with the word for, I can't come up with it. Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, fixated. Like mm-hmm. my reality tunnel gets really shrunken and, and pinpointed the second I get near a rabbit hole. It's really not good. Anytime uh, my partner even like, like remotely expresses something semi-political, I can feel like if I go, if I'm, move towards a political lens i'm not a pleasant person to be around if that's what's only on my rolodex mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh i'm i'm way better mentally when i'm considering again those objectives subjectives all of those truths at once but at the same time when i do that i also feel like i don't have much to contribute to a conversation <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah I've never really articulated that before either. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, I've been talking to a few um, magical friends lately about it's interesting. What I feel like I'm kind of going through right now is that I feel kind of incapable of having an opinion. Whenever I have an opinion, immediately I just see all of the other or not all of them because there'd be infinite, but I see like so many uh, counteracting opinions I could have and the validity in those perspectives. And I just, the opinion just falls away. And there's an aspect of me that um, equates that with apathy. And there's another aspect of me that equates that with freedom. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I'm sitting with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting because like it, it's really wonderful to, to kind of drop all the judgments and drop all the pressure and drop all the wrongs and rights. But if you drop it from a certain perspective, it does become apathy and like a depression. But if you drop it from the other <laughs> or another perspective, it can be absolutely freeing. And it's really interesting how much 
our perspective influences how those things feel. I think in um, maybe data terms, like it's really easy to be given a set of information and then want to have an immediate conclusion about it. Um, which I think was you know, having an opinion or like, oh, this, this means this, um, when sometimes it's a lot more freeing to be given a bunch of information and have associations in your head, but not having a definitive, like, this is that, because then once you reach that point, suddenly every piece of information you're presented with or gather yourself now is only significant to you if it confirms what you've decided at this point, even if your original reasons for deciding something were seemingly like on point. Um, whereas if you're more open and you act as you receive information, if things are much more on a case by case level, there's that's the nuance, you know, then you have nuance because you're able to change what you think as new information comes to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if for some reason it's reminding me of, um, I, I had a jujitsu, co- I still have a jujitsu coach, but she taught me that, um, like when you, when you begin a martial arts, you're working as like, she's the element. So she's like, this very earth element. It's this and that. And that's like, it's a, it's white belt. Like it, it's really difficult. You're not going to win much. And as you move up, you're kind of coming up to that, like, uh, fire element, water element and then people around the black belt are like out of the elements they're kind of working in time and space and i think that that's where like your your comfort level is right (laughs) you're you're more interested in the expansive yeah the fluidity yeah i feel i feel very similar in terms of a black belt yeah you're black belt a black belt uh (laughs) a black belt in what a black belt in what though what are we calling this (laughs) confusing myself a black belt in existence got my evolutionary black belt i'm I'm an old soul black belt (laughs) i like it i like it oh my god did you watch the movie soul i haven't seen it yet it's so worth it it was interesting it's it's worth it for the the interesting feeling at some point that comes over your body when you consider that like disney made it you're like "Mm, what what are they (laughs) how are they trying to influence me (laughs) it's a cute little take on reality what do you what have you noticed about like your what perspectives have you had on the idea of having a life's purpose how has that idea evolved for you do you know retro causality? Can you just kind of give me a little bit of a, a what is that? I think because I, I want to say yes, <laughs> but I don't know if I truly do. If time isn't linear, then things that happen seemingly in the future can affect the past. And if things exist all at one point, then it's just like things ripple out. So, for example, I think my entire podcast is an example of retro causality because I met a whole bunch of people through this a gathering experience that has really changed my life. And it feels like I've like meeting them now is in response to something that happens in the future or different things that have happened in the future. And it's been like one Mm -hmm. continuous, like strange vortex. Um, At the same Mm -hmm. time, I think maybe what we perceive as a life's purpose is just us catching on to things in what feels like the past or our current present that have already happened. So if you have like an interest in something now that could be reminiscent of you doing something in the future and vice versa. So it's like a two mirrors against each other in a way. And I, I, I struggle with like people. T- I mean, I had someone tell me that my life's purpose was to become a chiropractor. And I, you know, I can't tell you that that's, um never gonna happen but it doesn't make any sense for me at this time but who knows maybe in 10 years 15 years 20 years I'll go back to school to study becoming a chiropractor but there's other things that it's like I feel like I'm tapped into certain um timelines or energies or I don't even know what to call it that pull me in a certain direction and then when I turn around and look at my life 
I start to notice all these little things that I never thought were significant before that led me right to this doorstep. And I don't know if that answers your question, mm-hmm. but that's what I think about the subject. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I don't even know exactly what I was looking for in terms of an answer. So it was super open-ended. That's my favorite way to ask a question. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I've been kind of struggling with the notion of life's purpose for years. And I'm someone who, (laughs) it's not rare. I'm someone who has a fierce inner critic and that inner critic definitely seems to have an idea that there is a life's purpose and that it must be fulfilled or we have failed. (laughs) But yeah, it is, uh, it's been really interesting kind of watching myself over this last year start to dissect what that means to me and I think I I agree with you and I've had an experience uh that also like kind of pushed in that model that you're describing I uh I start with Aya it was during ayahuasca um <laughs> it, I remember yeah I uh, <laughs> uh yeah I was in ceremony and part of the reason I even went to do ayahuasca was because of that question of what is my life's purpose, which I think a lot of people go to those big mystical experiences to kind of get that rite of passage feeling. But when I asked the question, the immediate response was, because I I was like, am I supposed to be working with water? What am I supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be working with people? And it just started showing me interacting with water in in terms of like water as emotion and water as like the physical substance my love of the ocean my love of rivers every job I've had just it showed the theme water took through my life and was like you're right where you're supposed to be just trust it and I was like woo. it it felt like a draw to the present moment like everything that I every experience that I had as a younger person was because of a draw to the future yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So th- that was kind of the, that was what was offered to me through that experience with that plant was that that's definitely how it, it works. Do you chat with plants? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the time. I wonder if my houseplants are ever offended by like the, the weeks or months I go where I forget that they're conscious. <laughs> And I'm just walking around ignoring them. Well, this might be funny, but I chat to plants all the time, but I don't really have any. I have one in my room. Um, I just talk to like the spirits of them in general. Like I'll just think about them and be like, yeah. hey, Rose. You know, I don't know. I mean, that sounds like yeah. way casual just and not connecting. whatever, but it's, it's yeah, it's more for me. And, that, and that's the interesting part of that would be an example of how I, I I don't have a lot of plants. I'm not a big gardener, to be honest, either. I enjoy working with herbs mm-hmm. and making things, but it's more on a, again on an esoteric level. Uh, it's it's like this interest yeah. in earth that I have when I don't myself feel like I'm in that space at the same time. Like I'm I'm really fascinated by plants, but mm-hmm. I will sit and read uh, about them and meet with them in vision probably that's like significantly more than just going out and being with them outside which is really strange I think for people to like hear from someone who sounds like they're super earthy and that's actually like sometimes um when I get if I get a reading and it's really off from someone else because they'll make the association of my interest in herbs and plants as me being like this deep earth gardener person which I'm not at all um and that's how I know Mm -hmm. sometimes if things Mm -hmm. are not quite right but for the most part people will even if they don't recognize it they'll notice like oh you're into herbs but then they'll get right back to the weird stuff at the same time (laughs) yeah yeah it's funny like when you were describing that I was kind of like considering it as if someone said oh like yeah I love people I'm a psychologist versus someone saying oh yeah I love people I'm a massage therapist or a doctor like they're they're interacting you interact with plants in a, a very different way like like a psychologist would interact with people where doctors and massage therapists are like hands-on they're, they're they're working with the body yeah you're kind of working more with the consciousness mm-hmm. that's just what i that's what i've been drawn to mostly i mean 
what what are your thoughts? Like, how do you connect with water? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I have a friend that would love, I know the look that they would give me right now because they've been urging me to connect better with water since I've met them. Um, when it's funny, you know, I, I think I connect more with plants than I do with water. Uh, and I, I think that that's kind of a resistance or a hesitation from my part. Um, but the the ocean I've always felt like I have a really significant relationship with but I at one point lost trust I don't know why I think I just got afraid of the vastness of it um I work on the rivers all the time I work on creeks all the time I'm more so it's interesting I view water in the same way I think a conservation biologist would view different species within an ecosystem like I more so feel shepherdish around it like I I don't communicate with it the same way that I communicate with plant consciousness I kind of treat them more as though they have their own personalities I don't think I have taken the time to develop those relationships with different water bodies but that brings like that into my the forefront of my mind that maybe that would be something really fun to do yeah I mean I think rivers are are their own entity and I learned for shamanic journeying Mm -hmm. I learned to go and to go to a river that I love a lot in my mind and that's my base point for where I enter and exit visions that's kind of badass (laughs) that's awesome I like that what river do you use it's like my hometown river there's like a spot that I knew a lot it was the Mm -hmm. only the only place that I could think of and I went there and going down the river is like going back in time it's interesting when I consider um, the, uh, a lot of the time in, I think, cognitive behavioral therapy and in like visionary work, just in, in healing work in general, people develop like a, a safe haven or a safe space within their mind that they can go to. And one of the first ones that I developed was a memory from childhood, just kind of playing in tidal pools as a little kid. And I think that that is significant that the ocean is there. Uh, the second one was looking for salamanders along a creek near a place where I grew up. So again, we've got water in there. And then the developing, when I was trying to learn uh, at the beginning, when I was trying to learn how to astral project really, really hard, uh, <laughs> I tried, I remember like I tried so hard that my I would get headaches, um, but which is not the way to go about it, by the way. <laughs> I, I, in that visional, visional visionary place it was like in a cabin by a lake so I've always had water involved in all of these like shamanic-esque uh experiences that I've had but you're making me question why I still haven't taken that person's advice to get closer to water (laughs) I feel like part of you might be just sensing that it's for lack of a better term slash no pun intended gonna probably suck you in a bit yeah so I still haven't I put off for a long time uh listening to that audiobook of the the water witch I think you told me about that like almost like a like five months ago (laughs) I have the audiobook I just have not listened to it yet that hesitation is real and my partner has been fixated on being hydrated lately maybe that's (laughs) another sign (laughs) gotta get hydrated there's books that have release dates um that come out that are really important to me and I almost always put off getting into them it's like because I know there's going to be important information in there and so I'll put it off and put it off because I'm like I don't I don't I don't know I'm like apprehensive about it and then when I read it it's almost like perfect for the time that I decide to get to it and it definitely still has that feeling I had that with a book recently and then We've been talking to someone and it's like our lives are like mirrored in that book that I put off reading until like a couple days ago. It's weird. No. <laughs> yeah. Trust, trusting the timing. Oh, trusting the timing. I would be so much more relaxed if I would actually trust the timing more often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened to me with time. I don't know. I have some like weird programming around time that I've been sorting through. Like 
to the point I remember uh, I was going to be late to an appointment with a therapist, which makes it even funnier. And uh, (laughs) it was years ago, but I was going to be late and you just stop at the bank and just the amount of like pain and anxiety my body went into over the notion of being even a minute late for this appointment was wild. And I'm still so curious, like, what is that in me that has this relationship with time that is so unhealthy? Where did I get that? (laughs) I had that today too. I was driving to go to a polar plunge for, it's like a local gym, does it? There's a bay nearby. And so you do an obstacle course and then jump into the bay afterwards. And it's a fundraiser for a charity. And oh my God. Um, yeah, I just like my Google Maps was like, you're going to be there two minutes early. And I'm like, that's not enough time before ah! like the whole 20 minute drive. I'm like freaking out in my head. Um, and then I get there and then they are just like waiting casually around, make sure everyone was there. And they did the event. They didn't give one single Yeah, There fuck. was no rush. I like it. Oh, yeah. The end of that the the story about being freaked out about the therapist. She ended up being ten minutes late. Oh my god! And then I was upset. Yeah, I internally was mad at her for being late, even though I was late. <laughs> wow. That that Aries, mm-hmm. that Aries, already so reluctant to go to therapy, and now it's that we've got time against us over here. How do you feel that we're in Aries season now? You know, I like it. I came in hot. I made um, amends with two people that I I thought I was, uh, in my opinion, I was not going to make amends with. Ended up in both situations unfolded beautifully. Uh, I took a, a break that I needed to take. I'm feeling quite good about it. I'm kind of like considering making a big life change here. So uh, it feels feels good. I'm trying to, I I think, I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, but I feel like I've got two modes currently. One is where I am on a tightrope trying to make life choices. And if I fall or slip, there will be severe consequences. And the other mode is when I realize that that tightrope is a line on pavement and I've been on the ground the whole time. (laughs) Those are my two modes. (laughs) I don't think you've said that to me before, but I like that's where I'm at now in life. And yeah, oh, the tightrope is exhausting. And when I open my eyes and realize that I'm not on a tightrope, nor have I ever been, uh, I'm immediately confident. I think anytime a little bit of fear creeps in, my nervous system goes to tightrope. But I'm figuring it out. I think I'm just breaking uh, programs that are from such a young age that. I just, there's a lot of emotion that comes up. Yeah. And then I have to remember how to regulate. It's interesting being, uh, I think as most people do, learning to emotionally regulate later in life is just, oof, it, it's amazing, but it's a lot to ha- create, uh, I want to say habitualize, but like create a habit around. Yeah, it was really hard for me to ever even recognize that I wasn't doing that very well. Because it feels like, oh, I've I've fucked up somehow. But that's not the case at all. I just never learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like so skilled at judging myself (laughs) that I can do it and I can do it harshly and not even like something that if I ever heard someone say about someone I love or someone I love say about themselves, I would be like, no, oh my God, you don't say that. But it's like this, the sneaky manner in which my inner critic can word things. I really have to like notice and recognize it's been, uh, I think that's been the theme this last year for a lot of people though. Mm -hmm. Getting into that shadow work. Yeah, definitely a theme. I think there's a lot of stuff in here that's been in my periphery that we talked about today that I've heard you talk about or vocalize or I vocalized for the first time for myself. And I think that's really important. So thank you for being here. Yeah, that was fun. Well, where can people find you and what are you up to? 
Uh, I am at zen.lasagna on Instagram, and I'm still doing um, guided work and and guided meditations, kind of mind-body coaching is what I've been referring to it as. If you're interested in what that looks like, you can just send me a message on Instagram or go ahead and just book a 50-minute consult. For the most part, people kind of come with with a limiting belief they're working through or... uh, just wanting to have an experience of getting really nice and embodied. That's also something people have been showing up for. So yeah, that's where I'm at. I have done a session with Jessica before and it was amazing and it still has stuck with me now. And that was many, many months ago. I think that was in like September, something, some, a lifetime ago, seemingly. So the way I just described that almost sounds like a meditation class you'd you'd hit up at a yoga studio, and a lot of the time they're they're pretty metaphysical, uh, esoteric experiences. Um, really fun working in like the astral kind of zones. I, I forgot what audience I was talking to here. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it's unlike anything I've ever done with someone else before, for sure. It's very. Um... You're in your, you know, in the astral, but it's somatic at the same time, like you you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to trying to let the body talk. What does the body want to say? That's the question we go into in most of the sessions, unless we're doing guide work or journey work, and and that's just, we we figured that out in the fifteen minute consult of like, what are you what are you looking for? And you have a podcast, right? Oh shit! See, this is <laughs> how good am I at marketing myself? My God, uh, yeah, I have a podcast. It's called the Good Medicine Podcast. It's myself and uh, my co-host Brienne. She's kind of uh, taken a step back for a minute. Um, she's she's incredible. But there's an entire first season. I think it's uh, I want to say it's seventeen episodes or eighteen episodes, and the second season has been hilariously spotty in its evolution, but it's coming. It's coming. Well, if you'd like to find me, you can find me and a gallery of my digital art, as well as other links and resources at mothmana.com. You can find me on Instagram at mothmanatarot, at Twitter, at manaalen. And if you would like to join the hordes and support the podcast in my underworldian city, that's going to be patreon.com slash mothmana. And in that Patreon, I have a bonus episode, an interview every month, one of which is Jessica here. So there is a whole extra hour of her on there. And other than that, uh, thank you again for being here, Jessica. It was great talking to you. Yeah, so much fun always. Mm-hmm.